Hey friends, and welcome to the Midpacker Pod, brought to you by Free Trail, with generous support from Vacation Races. I am your host, Troy Meadows, and I am stoked to bring you informative and relatable content from people just like you, everyday runners pushing their boundaries and doing extraordinary things on the trails. Today, I am excited to chat with Melissa Sorensen. Melissa is an ultra runner, educator, and mother of soon-to-be three, having just found out that she is pregnant with her third child. Congratulations. In this episode, we talk about how Melissa and her husband got into trail running from road marathons, the challenges of running races with small children that ultimately drew her into running her first Backyard Ultra, a race format that allowed her to manage the logistics of racing with the needs of her then-nursing child. Melissa is also an amazing member of the Free Trail fam, and with the help of another member, Jessica Grinspen, brought Trail Mix to one of our office hours, a really cool way for members to get to know each other better through the use of small breakout groups in Zoom. It is a really cool concept that went over super well. We also discuss our mutual love of chia seeds and Melissa's slight detour into Ironman triathlon. I really appreciated Melissa's willingness to share and talk about how hard it can be for new mothers to juggle their little one's needs with long races. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Now, let's get to my conversation with Melissa Sorensen. Before we get to the show, I want to shout out our sponsors. A big thanks to our title sponsor, Vacation Races. Vacation Races hosts epic half marathon and ultra marathons that take place in national parks all over the country. Can you imagine running through stunning landscapes while pushing your limits in places like Zion, Yosemite, or Bryce Canyon? They also organize week-long running adventures around the world. We're talking about running in jaw-dropping locations and experiencing the thrill of exploration. From Alaska to, to Costa Rica, Croatia to Japan, they've got 11 different destinations lined up. For the super adventurous, there is even a super secret destination where you won't even know where you're going until you get to the airport. How crazy is that? They've got something for everyone. You don't have to worry about pace. All you have to do is maintain a 20-minute mile. So as long as you keep moving with purpose, you're good to go. It's all about enjoying the journey and soaking in the incredible scenery. These trips feature daily 7 to 12K trail runs in the morning and then a ton of awesome activities in the afternoon. Think glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, wine tasting, falconry, historic tours, cooking classes, you name it. They've thought of everything to make sure that you have the time of your lives. Best of all, these adventures are all-inclusive. Yep, that means everything is covered. Hotels, in-destination transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and even some sweet swag. Vacation Races just released their full 2024 calendar and are offering a discount for Midpacker Pod listeners. Use code FREETRAIL200 and get $200 off any global adventures trip that's not already sold out. Not ready to commit to a full-on global adventure? Don't worry. Use code FREETRAIL15 and you can get 15% off any half marathon or ultra marathon that isn't sold out. It's the perfect way to dip your toes into the vacation races experience. I'm super excited about this, this partnership, and I hope you are too. Check out vacationraces.com for more information. Also, a big thanks to Free Trail. If you're not a Free Trail Pro member, you are missing out. I love the Free Trail community and have been a member from the beginning. We all love trail culture. High fives during single track flybys with strangers on your Saturday long run. That feeling of acceptance and community that you only get at a trail race. 
most of you, I'd guess, to say keep coming back to trail races because the community around this amazing sport is second to none. With the Free Trail Pro subscription, you can have access to that community everywhere you go. You get access to the Free Trail Slack community, training plans, weekly office hours that feature special guests, and so much more. The other week, we had a Q&A with none other than David Roach. From training and gear questions to seeing and getting inspiration from, from the epic adventures and races that members are doing, the Free Trail community is the place to be. Start your free trial today at freetrail.com. After that, it's only $96 a year for a membership. If you were a fan of all the content that Free Trail is putting out, that's a small price to pay to support some of the best written, visual, and audio content in our sport. Hope to see you in the Free Trail Slack community. And when you introduce yourself, mention the Midpacker Pod. All right, friends, welcome back to the Midpacker Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Melissa Sorensen. Melissa, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, Troy. I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, no, uh, the excitement is all mine. And I think, um, we're, we have a lot of really fun things to, to discuss. Um, and I'm, I'm really like, like stoked to get into it with you. Um, you know, I think to start uh, the way we like to start a lot of these interviews or these conversations is just, um, who is Melissa Sorensen? Wow. That's a tough question. Uh, it's loaded. I know it's a loaded question. So I'll try to I'll try to sum it up. I, so Melissa Sorensen, uh, I'm originally from around the Chicago land area. I, let's see, went to school in Wisconsin and then, um, lived in Chicago briefly before, uh, my husband and I moved out to Monterey, California. And now, uh, we currently live near Uray, Colorado, I have two small boys. They are two and four, and I'm also pregnant with my third. Uh, Congratulations. Found, oh, thank you. We just found out it's going to be a little girl, so we're expecting her in November. And my husband, Eric, is also a trail and ultra runner, and that's something that has connected us since the beginning. And yeah, I got into trail running, or I got into running in general around 2009, uh, but trail running discovered in 2013. And so this is my 10 year anniversary of discovering the trails, a timely oh, podcast. That's so awesome. Very timely. And you're, so your husband and, and you have always had a relationship with running in, in your relationship together. Is it something that, that you guys both found um, in common um, as you guys were, were meeting and then also, and ultimately like building out your family? Yeah. Well, so my husband and I met in college. We lived on the same floor of the dorm freshman year and we were just acquaintances for a long time. Uh, we reconnected through mutual friends after college. And one of the main things we connected over is that we both showed up uh, wearing toe shoes uh, popularized by the or the Vibram Five Fingers, popularized by Born to Run, and we're eating a bunch of chia seeds. And so that was uh, one of the first things we did together was run the Boulder Boulder 10K. And then uh, kind of right as we officially started dating, signed up, signed up for our first road marathon together. So yeah, running's from the start. The first gift I ever gave him was entry into the Big Sur Marathon so yeah, it's kind of been, running's been embedded from the get-go, although it was very new to both of us at the time that we connected. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously you, you, you both drank the Kool-Aid pretty hard if, if, if you started off your running in, five, in v v Vibram uh, Five Toes. And um, 
I have a personal love for chia seeds. So, uh, <laughs> you know, me and I, I like born to run too. And, uh, I definitely, that's definitely what kind of got me. It reignited, uh, my love affair with running, um, and kind of brought it back after about a 10 year hiatus. But yeah, me, I love chia seeds. I do this, uh, chia fresca that's like water chia seeds and uh, maple syrup with a little bit of lime and then you can add salt or not add salt and you just kind of make it in your bottle and then shake it up and leave it in the fridge overnight um it's good fuel so that's amazing well like the very so when we reconnected through mutual friends i was on a trip out to colorado and the very first activity we did was make uh, chia balls just like peanut butter and chia and oats and stuff for uh we were gonna go hike mount sherman uh 14 or the next day and powered by chia and i'm sure we were both wearing our five finger shoes so yeah born to run really started started off some things (laughs) that's that's so awesome so um yeah talk about i mean so obviously you guys ran your first marathon did you run that together yeah i mean yeah yeah, bless him he ran it alongside me and Uh, he's much faster. So I think it was a painfully long marathon for him. <laughs> well, the, the first ones are always the hardest ones. That's, that's for sure. And the Big Sur, I mean, that's a solid gift. Uh, I will say that the Big Sur marathon is, I never got a chance to run it. I lived in California, but it's definitely like a bucket list event. And if anyone, um, has never ever, uh, just check it out. Cause it's one of those, it's one of those runs. That's it's, it's not the fastest marathon you'll ever run. It's definitely rolling, rolling terrain. Um, but the views are like next level. I'm pretty sure you run the entire marathon on the one. So, Oh yeah. And what was cool about it is we ran the Big Sur marathon twice as our annual vacation from Chicago, having no idea that we would, uh, the third year we signed up run it as locals having moved to Monterey because I found a job out there. So Big Sur feels, uh, it was like a premonition. We signed up and then we eventually ended up moving to that area and got oh, to cool. Big Sur a few more times with it in our backyard. So it's a very yeah, that's, race. That's really awesome. It's kind of like you went and ran the marathon and it allowed you to kind of set some hooks, you know, and, and create a little bit of, put an anchor down, so to speak, and, and, and give you a way to kind of get back. And that community is, is amazing. It's definitely, um, pretty, I wouldn't say small town out there, but it's still, it's pretty small town out there and there's not a, not a lot going on. So the fact that you're able to, to, to land a job in, 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 uh, in Monterey and, uh, spend some, spend a couple years there is really cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty magical. I, anyone who gets a chance to visit Monterey, it's a beautiful spot. So I got to ask, and I know we didn't discuss this prior, but did you, did you and your husband, while you lived out there, end up out to Sykes Hot Springs at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've hiked out to Sykes of the, nice. the, while we were there, the, it was a few years that Monterey, the Monterey area or central coast yep. experienced some fires and then some mudslides. So it took actually the Sykes hot springs trail off the, off the grid, off the for a bit, but bit, I, yeah. I heard it is back up. Nice. Yeah. I never made it out there either. I just have a bunch of friends who's like, dude, you should do it. And for anyone, um, looking for a fun, mm, a long but done in a day adventure from an ultra running standpoint, you know, I think it's 10 miles out and 10 miles back and it's pretty rugged up and pretty rugged back. And, uh, you know, halfway there, there's a pretty, pretty dope hot springs in the middle of the redwoods. So, you know, (laughs) like what's not, what's not to like about that. So exactly. No, super cool. So, so you ran the Big Sur Marathon, you and your husband have a, you know, a long love affair with, uh, running, um, what ultimately, you know, what brought you to the trails? Uh, so 
when I first got into running, I, it was when I was at the end of college and then I moved to Chicago. And so trails weren't even really on my mind. I, (laughs) I don't even know if there's much of a trail in Chicago. I do remember there was about 15 feet of a like a muddy little path that I would run on. And I'd be like, Ooh, I'm trail running, but it was mostly focused on road events. I think because that's what I had, you know, my backyard was plenty of road to run on. And when we moved to Monterey, the trails out there are plentiful and stunning. And so we both got interested in trail running. We actually our both of our first trail running event was just a local fundraiser for a local Kiwanis club out in Carmel Valley, California. They put on an annual race called the Fiesta Mountain Trail Run. I think it's about seven or eight miles. And up until then, I had just done these massive road marathons. So you go to this huge expo, you come to the start line with hundreds of other runners. There's a lot of buzz and it's exciting, but overwhelming. Uh, We rolled up to this race. Maybe there were 30 other runners. It was just so low key and felt really community oriented and tight knit. And it just totally shocked me to have this contrast from the races I'd been doing. I a volunteer hiked his guitar up to the high point of the course so that he could play us music as we got to the crux. Uh, another volunteer was taking these super blurry photos on his iPhone and then printing them off on this tiny printer to hand to us at the finish line. And then a group of volunteers oh, wow. were making milkshakes at the finish line with like bananas and chocolate and vanilla ice cream. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, this has been the best experience ever. It just felt a world away from the events I'd been doing. And I immediately loved the spunkiness and the tight knit feeling. And then also that trail is just, it's an amazing way to be in community, but you also feel a little bit by yourself on an adventure. It just was a totally different feeling. I ended up loving it as did my husband. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Um, I, so I don't have a road marathon background, but, um, you know, I came to ultra running through like ultralight backpacking. And for me, it was like, I've always had, I've kind of always been an outdoorsman, but life kind of started to get in the way of being able to disappear for three, four, five, six days at a time, um, in the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, it became kind of unattainable. You know, I would look at my wife and be like, so I'm going to, I'm going to be, I pointed a map of like, I'm going to be here kind of, I'll go in here, I'll come out here, I'll see you in four or five days. And like, you know, that'll, you can only get away with doing that for like a couple of years before things are kind of like, so what are, when are we going to spend a little more time together? Cause you kind of figure out how to spend most of your weekends, uh, you know, out in the middle of the woods by yourself. And that's kind of what led me, led me to trail running was just, and ultimately ultra running was like, man, I can, I can have those same experiences, but I can have it in hours as opposed to days. Um, yeah. and it kind of frees up a little bit of family time, but also still gives you that, you know, I kind of need, I need a little bit of solace in the woods. Um, it's kind of been a big part of, uh, yeah, just kind of navigating through life. And, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, your story re- will really resonate with a lot of people that kind of come to the trails from maybe a road background or a road marathon background. Like you said, these things are like, I mean, it's, and there's nothing wrong with it, but they're like big, epic events. And it's like really cool to be a part of. Um, but at the end of the day, when like you show up, there's 30 people in the start line and they're serving you milkshakes at the end. You're like, huh, there's something different going on here. You know, this, this is, this is, this is quite a different experience than, uh, the space blanket and the banana, you know, or the space blanket and the bagel, you know, and that's kind of the classic road experience. 
Lastly, I want to give a shout out to Run Trail Life. Are you looking for the perfect tee to wear after your long run? Want to represent your love of the trails off the trails? Then check out Run Trail Life, the casual apparel company that lets you show off your love of trail and ultra running while giving back to ensure that everyone has access to the beauty of nature for generations to come. RTLTs are 100% organic cotton or made from recycled water bottles. And $1 from every purchase is donated to Runners for Public Lands, a not-for-profit whose mission is to advance the development of diverse, high-quality trails and greenways for the benefit of people and communities. I am super passionate about this company because I am the founder and solo entrepreneur behind it. So if you love the content, consider supporting me directly with a purchase. And if you use code MIDPACKERPOD, we will double the donation from your purchase to Runners for Public Lands. Visit RunTrailLife.com and live the Run Trail life. Really quickly before we dive into more of the fun things that you've done on the trails and, and some of the other things. And, um, you know, like you said, you're, you're pregnant with your third child and congratulations. And I always love to talk through, you know, how do you make that work? Right. Cause I've got a 13 month old and between my wife and I, he's definitely a handful. Um, but you know, you, did you finish an Ironman tri- triathlon? You, 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 you dabbled in, into, into try for a little bit at some point too. Yeah, yes. Uh, we did take a detour into the Ironman world. I, When we moved to Monterey, I started bike commuting to work and road biking awesome. became a really big part of my life. Not only is Monterey a great place to trail run, it also has amazing roads along the coast yes. to do lots of great biking. And a friend of ours had just done an Ironman and it just she just kind of gave us the bug. And you know, with biking and running already in the mix. It was like, well, all we have to do is add some swimming and see how that goes. And we managed to convince uh, a group of friends to sign up for Ironman Canada with us in 2016. And I was at that point, I think I had done up to a 50 K trail race. And so Ironman felt really far beyond what I had accomplished length of day, (laughs) distance, all of that. And so the hardest part of training was probably my self-doubt because it was so much bigger than anything I'd ever done. And also the other hardest part of training was that our open water swim practice was in the ocean. And if you've ever been to Monterey, the ocean's really cold. Yeah, (laughs) the the Pacific uh, is, is not, is not a fun beast to swim in. That's at least that's my experience. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you're in that wetsuit, it's chilly. And then also, you know, the open ocean is a little nerve wracking to some, certainly me. And so, uh, but, but the self-doubt piece was really present for me. And there were part of the way through training, I really started to think it was impossible for me to go the distance of the full Ironman, but our group organized the mock half Ironman. And that was incredibly helpful because even though I struggled to finish the mock half Ironman, it was a pivotal part of my mental training because it made me realize I could do over half of it. I didn't collapse at the finish line thinking that's the absolute farthest I can go. And I realized that even if I didn't finish the full Ironman, I'd still learn how far I could go. And I guess in all of my endurance journey, that's become what's really driving me. Even if I'm signing up for something that's big and scary to me, it's like, well, I'll at least find out how far I can go, even if it's not all the way to the finish line. And the race was in British uh, Whistler up in British Columbia. Oh, Epic. Oh my God. It's a stunning <laughs> route. I finished in just around 15 hours and my, which isn't like a, 
No, that's a good. That's a, that's a that's a solid first tri iron full triathlon uh, Ironman triathlon time for sure. It was just finishing was the first time I think I I really shocked myself with like oh my gosh I'm capable of more than I think I am is just I would have I would just describe myself as an average old person like giving these events a try. And, uh, so after that, my confidence really took off. We did it. We ended up doing another Ironman a year later, Ironman Wisconsin in our college town. And again, it was really fun, but I triathlon is really logistically demanding. You're gearing up for these three sports. You're juggling the training of the three sports, which is really fun. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to introduce cross training and get all crazy with your schedule but it's expensive. <laughs> Not only are the Ironman races expensive, just getting your bike to them and managing all of that. And then uh, it just was like, okay, well, that was really fun to try. I don't, I won't say I'll never do one again, but it's maybe it would just be like a fling in retirement <laughs> or something. But uh, it, it really not only did it help me get some confidence, I think also because the, uh, the exercise was balanced over three sports. And so at the time I was pretty daunted to sign up for something like a hundred K trail race, but it showed me like, okay, you can have a long day on your body and maybe you can do longer distances on the trail. And so right after Ironman, I signed up for my first 50 mile and hundred K trail races. And that really felt like the start of a new chapter for me in ultra running. And it also uh, like after the crazy logistics of the triathlon, it just kind of really hit home for me, the simplicity you can find in, not that you can't nerd out about a ton of logistics when you're ultra running, but it brought back the simplicity of just getting out on the trail and gave me a new appreciation for that one sport. So yeah, I'm, I'm back in the ultra world and I don't plan to, don't have no upcoming plans in the triathlon world. Yeah. And I think, you know, the dabbling is fun. Like you said, you're like, oh, well, I like to run, road, ride, ride my road bike. I like to run. Just got to add some swimming in there. And I kind of chuckled to myself because usually that's like the one thing that most, most people, very few people will tell you, oh yeah, swimming, that's, that's, that's the event for me in Ironman. You know, that's the one that I shine in. You know, a lot of, most people are just kind of like, we just have to get through the swim so I can jump on the bike. And then hopefully there's legs for the run. Um, when you were doing Ironman triathlon, what was the event that you felt like you really shined out, out of the three, which one did you feel like you really shined in? Uh, probably the bike. I yeah. think the run, since the run comes at the end, uh, you, you run a road marathon at the end. I can't say I had a lot left in the tank then. It was more just getting it done. But the bike, that was, a, especially because I had done road marathon before, it was really exciting for me to explore new distances on the road bike. And that's really where you're spending the bulk of the day. So I think that's that was the event I enjoyed digging into the most. And I, you're yeah. right. Everyone I would talk to about triathlon, like, uh, if only I liked swimming. It does seem to be, the of the three, the sport that keeps the most people out of it. Yeah. My father did, he dabbled in not Ironman distance, but he did some triathlon stuff when I was much younger. And I think he only did one or two. Cause he's like, I'm just going to do biathlons. Cause he's been <laughs> an avid rider and, and runner for as long as I can remember, you know? Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things where like, you really have to be a different animal to really appreciate the swims, the swim part. And a lot of people say it's like, it can make or break kind of your race too, because if you get, 
if you kind of get jostled, there's like so many things that are happening in the water that you're not realizing. It's kind of like you're doing bad. You're definitely doing battle out there in the water because everyone's super tight, super close. You know, you hear stories of people getting like kicked in the face and getting water in their goggles and just like, yeah, it can turn into it. it can, and that's the start. Like that's how you're starting this event. That's going to take you anywhere between like, you know, nine and 19 hours is like, I'm going to jump in the water for two miles and I'm going to basically you know, it's like a track sprint, you know, you're kind of like shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with, with a bunch of people. So. Oh yeah. There's definitely a unique feeling of relief when you get out of the water. Of the water. You're like, yeah. I'm in one piece. <laughs> I made I made it. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never wanted, you, you never wanted a, tra- a bike transition more than, than, than the first time you jump out of the water. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, running your first 50 and your first, your first hundred K, um, you know, and you were talking about kind of the logistics, I think, you know, for myself, I, I, I nerd out when it comes down to the logistics. Um, I just finished a hundred miler with no crew, no pacer. And we had five drop back, well, three drop backs, but we saw two of our drop backs twice. And it was one of those situations for me where like, I don't know how it is for you. And I, you know, love to talk to this a little bit, but like, you know, my dining room table was like, there was no eating on the dining room table for like four days. There was like stuff sprayed everywhere as I'm trying to figure out, you know, where do I want my extra headlamp battery? Where do I want my caffeine nutrition? Where do I need all this stuff? And to be honest, like I I had this amazing plan laid out and because I thought I was going to be finishing at a certain time, I should have put most of the things further up in the day. So I had access to them earlier because my day just kind of unraveled Um, and it ended up turning into like what I thought would be like a 30 hour finish turned into a 37 hour finish. And it was kind of like, just interesting when I'm like going to my drop bag at mile 60 something thinking it's still going to be daylight out. And I'm like looking for my extra headlamp battery that's in the 70 mile drop bag. So, um, you know, you talked about like the simplicity of running an ultra, but, um, do you, have there been any like kind of logistical snafus for you when kind of, you know, running and and planning on like, how is this 50 miler going to go or how is this hundred K going to go? Yeah. Oh, I relate to your dining room table experience and congrats, <laughs> congratulations on your hundred. That, that's you. amazing. Um, yes, I very similar when I'm packing my drop bags it's actually a little embarrassing because they're just so full. I have trouble like Ironman's a great example or it's cause it's one of the few races that my husband and I have done together, but he would drop like one Snickers in his special needs bag to grab during the bike ride. I can't, I just need, I'm, I am so anxious about what I'm going to need at any given moment. And I want to give myself 50 or more options. And so my drop bag just has the entire kitchen sink in it at any given moment. <laughs> and so part of part of my challenge is trying to limit it so that I'm not bringing a huge duffel. <laughs> you're not even allowed, but a, a huge duffel to each drop station. And I'm someone who my pre-race anxiety is is definitely causing me to add like hair ties and band-aids and uh Ziploc baggies and uh like safety pins, just every single thing like that has to be in every one of my drop bags. And I end up probably spending $150 on food and I eat maybe $5 of it during the actual race. But for me, it's all that like mental security, just having it, having it there if I need it. And I honestly, I don't, 
I've not needed 99% of the stuff in my drop bag, but I think it's my little security blanket. <laughs> yeah. Well, how is it? Ounce of prevention. How's it go? Like oh, an yeah. ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure or a pound of relief or something like that. So uh, when you need it, you'll appreciate having it. So just to add one more thing to your drop bag, I always make sure that I have at least um, one shoelace oh. in my drop bag in case I break a shoelace while I'm on the trail when I show up to a drop bag and then I also on my vest, my whistle is attached to my vest with a shoelace. So, so now like I have the option in case I need it, if I have to make a, you know, a repair or, or I, or I bust a shoelace, I always have one. And so like, they kind of made me think about, you know, I'm, I was a boy scout. I definitely have the whole be prepared thing. So it's like, and then I also have like this history of ultralight backpacking, which really taught me like, how do you be prepared with the bare, bare essentials, you know, and kind of embracing essentialism, but it's hard when you're packing a drop bag. Cause you know, you want to have all the options. And I, I do agree with you. And I think it's funny cause I relate. I remember showing up to my drop bag at this race and looking at all my food and being like, I want nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> and just being like, I, no, no, I'm, I'm broth, please. You know, like that's kind of where I was for, for a long time. I was like, can I get broth and potato chips? Like, things are not good. So, um, no, that's awesome. And I know that, you know, you're, you're trying to, to, to complete a hundred mile at, at some point in the not too distant future. But I, I mean, we're going to talk about this here in a minute, but it looks like you're going to have to put off your plans of running a hundred miler here, um, based on the fact that you're in the second trimester. But, um, you know, w- was the plan to run a hundred mile miler this year, or was it something you're still building up to? Uh, it was, yeah, no worries. It was something I was already building up to, but not for this year. I okay. uh, I ran a 100K in January, and I really felt like I experienced the limit of what I could train for with my kids at their age and my husband also training. And I was like, okay, 100K is probably squeezing every last drop out of the time I have. I think 100 mile will be on the radar when my kids, cause right now they're so little, so they're, you know, one of them's in daycare three days a week, the other one's in preschool four days a week, but it's not full-time care all around. And there's plenty of days off school on top of that. So I think when they're both in regular school full-time, I will feel like I've got the totally. capacity to train for a little more. Yeah. I will say that's the one thing I deal with a lot with having a 13 month old and you know, my wife and I both work from home and we, we don't have childcare right now. And so it's like, man, it's a lot of like, um, what's on your calendar today? What's on your calendar today? Okay. So I can give you this two hour block. You can give me that two hour block. And we're kind of trying to like leapfrog, you know, what it looks like. And a lot of times that means like in the evening, I, I take, I need a more, I need morning sessions cause I have a lot of calls with team members. And so then in the evening when I'm dealing with the evening routine, that's when she's putting in two or three hours of work. And then it's like kind of a mad dash for dinner. And then you're like, you're kind of sitting on the couch at 10 o'clock going, so do we fold laundry or do we watch Netflix? You know? And it's just on top of that, you know, trying to balance the, like, when do you actually get the run in? Um, and it can be tough. And I guess, you know, I would love to kind of dive into that. I mean, I don't, I have one, it's a handful. So I would, and, and, you know, my wife doesn't run ultras either. Um, she definitely likes to, 
to exercise and, and, and do her thing. But, um, you know, what is it like balancing the needs of, I mean, soon to be three, but two, you know, young boys, well, probably, you know, I, I imagine sometimes you think it's like three young boys, but two young boys and, and, and then your husband, and obviously both of you have, um, running goals and aspirations for, you know, a given calendar year. So, um, any, like, I'm always, I'm into the tips and the tricks. So is there anything that you, that you two do that you feel like, um, really allows you to, to make sure that, that both of your needs are prioritized when it comes to your needs for training and, and your needs to just kind of run on a, I say daily basis, but you know, five, six days a week. Yeah, that's such a great question. And it has definitely balanced it. Finding that balance has definitely been a tricky learning journey. So we're, just over four years into trying to figure out the juggling. And it, it helps. My husband is a full-time stay-at-home dad. And so that is something that has helped us with a little more capacity, but it doesn't necessarily free up his time during the day since he's with yeah. our kiddos. But, and so this is our first year having this last fall was when uh, our youngest started in a few days of daycare. And then our oldest started a few days of preschool. And that's, taking a lot of pressure off is just having those windows because he uses those big windows where the they overlap for three days at school and daycare. He uses those for bigger training blocks, which is really helpful. Um, and But it's crazy that it, it is all, almost always, or at least in the years leading up to them having a few days of being out of the house, it's always a relay. And I look back on the days before we had kids and I'm like, we could just both exercise at the same time. Yeah. I didn't, we had it so easy, <laughs> but I think, you know, something I, my husband's called me out for this because I often start the day being like, what, what exercise do you need to get in today? And how, how am I going to balance what I need to get in today? And he's been great at reminding me that on weekends or days that the boys are both off school, it's like maybe, maybe our first question should be, what are we going to do as a family today? And yeah. then build around that for what do we need to get in exercise wise? Um, something helpful that I really tried out this year was staggering our race schedules. I've told people that when we when we are both training for ultra at the same time, there's like cracks in the foundation. It's really hard to keep everything together. And this year, I, I purposely signed up for a winter ultra, which was truthfully kind of miserable because it was my first time training for a winter ultra. Now that oh, I live and you live, you live in Uri too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Living in Uri. I was like, that wasn't my favorite uh, training block of all time. And then I did the Uri backyard ultra a few weeks ago, but that's the end of my racing for this year. And I'll just, you know, train for summer adventures and just have fun. And then usually summer's the bigger time for my husband's races. We've he's yeah. done DMV a couple of times and that can really dominate the summer schedule. So staggering helps so that we're not like we're, we're always trying to both stay active, but it takes the pressure off of both of us needing to get a long run in on the same day. And yeah, I think the tricky thing for me has just been, it's, it takes a lot of discipline because before when you have more control over your day, you're like, I don't really feel like running in the morning. I'll, I'll run in the I'll evening. Push, but, I can, I can just push this, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I'll just find another time. But right now it's sort of like when you have the time, you just have to get out the door. And so building that or <laughs> building a, for a while when I was training for my hundred K it was building a big new discipline for me around that crack of dawn time yeah. slot. And so, uh, yeah, in some ways that's great. It's, it's giving yourself constraints so that you can, I mean, working on your own self-discipline helps in general with ultra running, 
But some days you're like, oh, I wish I could just run whenever I feel like it. <laughs> but I gotta, yeah. gotta go with the time slot I'm given. Yeah. And I, I, so I can definitely relate to that. And I think it's, you know, these days I've been prioritizing sleep a lot. So sometimes it's more like Monday's my day off. So I'll do the morning walk with the kiddo and, and the wife and I will get, put him in the stroller and, you know, do a walk around the neighborhood. But, you know, most days of the week, it's when they step out for that walk and that's about a 45 minute thing for, for them. That's when I'm kind of stepping out to get my run in, or I'm getting up. Like I have to get up really, really early because I usually, I take on, because my wife works late in the evening. I also kind of take on the like first couple hours in the morning, um, with, with the kiddo. And so it's kind of like this thing, like if I'm not, if I don't get up at five o'clock in the morning, then there's only really one or two times, you know, and sometimes it means like I just grab him in the afternoon and before it's kind of time to start the evening stuff, I'll put him in the stroller and, 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 and do a Bob run, baby on board run. But yeah, I think, you know, going back to like your discuss, you're, you're talking about staggering your schedule. So that's like, that's a conscious effort, like in December or November, December, like you and your husband are sitting down and you're saying like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And you're, you're really taking a, a forward look at the calendar and saying, okay, you know, what's your goal? This is my goal. This is my goal. Okay. Well, this can't be your goal. If this is going to be my goal, it's kind of like, as far as like what months, everything kind of lines up. Cause I definitely agree with you. Um, you know, I don't have a partner that runs ultras either, but man, when I'm in the middle of like a block, and it's like the block for the race. I mean, it's, I don't know about you, but it ends up, you know, I tell people the joke is I have a part-time job and it's, it's kind of called running. If you include like all the little things you're doing, if you include the recovery modalities, if you include the actual hours spent on feet, you know, it's like, it ends up averaging out between like 12 and, and 16 hours, depending on like what week you're sitting in. And, you know, a lot of people say like, that's when a lot of people look at you and say, Oh, you're like, you're crazy. But I, I thought I love I love you. I love how you bring it back to just like, you know, the determination and the like building in really good habits. And then those habits, then you can fall back on those habits. So when you're not doing, you know, when it's only eight hours a week of running, cause it's just like chill weeks, like, you know, that when it comes down to prioritizing family, you can do that. But also when it comes down to like, just knowing like, I, I know how to get stuff done because I can prioritize this one thing. And this one thing is like, as much as it's like really important to all of us in the scope of everything that's going on in life, you know, if you can balance your training load when you're building up to a, to, to your a goal and still make sure that there's a, um, you know, time for the family and time for work. And those things aren't, I don't say completely backburnered. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty good skill set to have. So. Yeah. And I, I think peak training weeks will probably always put a little stress on the family, but sure. something I come back to a lot is that for both my husband and I running just is such a productive way to meet so many of our needs. And I'll speak for myself. It's like, I get my alone time. I can listen to my audiobook or podcast. I get all the wonderful things that exercise does for your endorphins and whatnot. Uh, if I can run with a friend even better. And it's, I just feel grateful. It comes in this tidy package. And so if you give me one hour of the day for yeah. any type of me time, I will always take it for running because it's just, it's like the one, one it's in many ways, the one size fits all activity for what I need. And I, I think 
both my husband and I, I'm sure many parents that run would say, when I take that time, I come back a more energized parent. That's probably not true during peak training week when you probably come back a bit more of an exhausted, (laughs) exhausted parent, but that's also part of the journey and uh, peak training weeks are so exciting in their own way. So uh, you can't have them all the time, but uh, every once in a while, you, got, you can your family can navigate the rapids of peak training. Yeah, few and far between for me. I, I'm, I have two, I have two races on the calendar this year, and anything else that I throw on the calendar are gonna, is kind of going to be one of those like, oh, this is happening locally. Like, let me just go do this. So there's only, you know, at that point, there's only really like a couple months out of the year where things are going to get hectic. Like, there's probably you know two two month blocks and my first race was early in the spring and my last race is, race is going to be later in the fall. And so it's kind of like, you know, I, I purposely left the summer wide open for doing all the things with the family and making sure that there's plenty of time, um, you know, to, to keep everyone happy in the equation. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, gosh, how do you feel like things are going to, ch- I mean, how do you feel like things are going to change with, with the third one coming, I mean, you've got, you've got the experience of what it takes to get to, to a decent place. But I mean, I imagine, um, having a little girl coming is definitely going to like mean that I I imagine both of you are going to have to kind of take a step back and say, you know, where are we going to prioritize, you know, her needs? Um, and I can attest like, you know, mine, mine just turned 13 months or 14 months. So like, I just kind of feel like I'm coming out of the ringer though, every time, you know, there's no light at the end of this tunnel, you know, I mean, every, every time there's like a new milestone and like a new thing that, that, that you're dealing with. But I do know, you know, for my wife and I, we're looking at this, you know, from a two, three, four year standpoint, like it's going to be some time before kind of like, you know, like you, like you did, it's going to be some time before we put my son Logan into some sort of childcare because we're just able to balance it really well right now. And we think it's really important to, spend as much time as possible with them and with him. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, it's, you got till November, but I imagine, you know, you and you guys are, you, you two are already doing some of that long-term planning of like, well, what's, what's 2024 going to actually look like for us. Right. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Having gone down this road, twice before. Um, it's daunting, uh, especially because this is our first year having both kids with a little bit of time out of the house. They're so excited to be in uh, daycare and preschool. And it's just given us a little bit of a pressure release on our time. So yeah, it's a little daunting to know that there's going to be an on-ramp back to this phase. Yeah, And I think also for the for those uh, ultra runners out there who have navigated pregnancy, you're, it's also, you, I just did my 100K in January and it's hard to let go of that fitness. And I struggled a lot with this before I got pregnant the first time, which was I kept thinking like one more big trail race and then I'll want to get pregnant. But I kept feeling like I was at this peak fitness and it was really hard to say, okay, now I'm ready for my body to do something else. And this time around, it's a little easier because I've, yeah, as you know, I've been down the road a couple times, but it's always hard to flip that switch and be like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I'm ready to let my body focus on something else. I feel more comfortable doing more running adventures this time around since I've had a couple pregnancies to explore staying fit and feeling active and knowing what's comfortable for me. But I, it is hard knowing like, oh gosh, my next trail race probably won't be for another year or so. And 
even then I'll be, I'll be juggling nursing and trying to do trail racing, which I've done in the past to varying levels of success. And yeah, it will certainly take that reprioritizing, which in some ways, when you just like, when we, you know, once we, once she's big enough to go in the jogger, you know, I know my husband and I, we, we know the jogging stroller well, and we'll get back into that groove if we need to, but it, yeah, it will reshuffle all the cards and we'll just have to kind of find the, find the new balance that works for us. Yeah. Uh, well, but safe to say I'm a little intimidated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like you can, you know, this could be the 12th kid and you're probably still going to be intimidated, right? It's like, it is just because you've got a little bit of experience doesn't, doesn't mean that, um, it's not just this like amazing life-changing event. Right. Um, yeah. And I will second, you know, once they hit six months and you can throw them, you know, you can kind of throw them in the jogging stroller. It's kind of a game changer. And I love to say it's like, uh, it's like strength training and endurance training all at the same time. Um, and I mean, I know you, you probably know this, but a little word of advice for all the parents out there, like make sure that your tires have air in them. Um, <laughs> they do lose air over time. And I've definitely been out on runs, pushing the kiddo going, this is really hard. Like, yeah, we're like really, one arm is getting really, all the <laughs> really hard. And then I get back to the house and I just like, gra- I, I touch the tire and I'm like, Oh, this thing could use like 20 PSI. And like, this thing is not flat, but it, like, it looks like it's full of air. But when you touch it, you're like, definitely does not have air in it. And then you go out the next day and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. This is a lot easier than it was yesterday. So anyway, just a little word of advice for everybody. If, if, if you're out there doing stroller runs and like for all you non-parents, you know, go get a 25 pound kettlebell and a jogging stroller and like go hard. Cause like, I'm telling you, it makes you strong. It gets, it definitely gets you in shape, you know, especially if you only have an hour a day, pushing, pushing the jog, jogging stroller around the neighborhood will, will definitely do the work. So, um, awesome. Well, like something I wanted to talk with you and you kind of mentioned, like, it's kind of a little bit of the fam- family balance, but you did, you know, you did the URA backyard, um, ultra this year. Um, and I'm intrigued by the format. I've never done anything like it. Is this, was this like a, um, more of a, I want to say a virtual event. Was this like a, a sanctioned race or was this kind of a DIY kind of thing that the community does? Uh, no, it's a, it's an organized race awesome. and it's put on by two local members of the community, but it's, it's the third year that they've offered it and it's an amazing race. Oh, that's great. And you've done it. Is this, how many times have you done it then? This is my, I've, I've, I've been there since the inaugural event. So oh. it's quickly becoming my annual, my annual event. So tell me some of the things you really like about the format. And I think, um, you kind of mentioned, you mentioned before that, you know, trying to balance like the needs of the family and nursing and stuff. And I feel like that format could kind of lend to that though. You only have so much time to, to kind of deal with that. So I can only imagine what it's like to kind of deal with the hurry up shuffle, but, you know, kind of talk through the format and then talk through all the reasons why, why you really like it. Obviously it's something that you have appreciated as an experience because you just keep coming back year, year after year. So. Yeah, I, I do. I do love the backyard. It's a special, it can be a special type of pain cave, but I overall really love it. Cause I'll say, so after my, um, so I talked a little bit about how it's difficult to turn off the ultra racing mindset to turn over to pregnancy and uh, those early days of having a baby. And so after my first, I was really chomping at the bit to sign up for an event. And I signed up for the North Face 50 miler. Oh, great. Event. About, maybe about seven or eight months after I had my first baby. And 
I was still nursing and I'd planned to nurse at the aid stations on the course, but it's logistically challenging for my husband yeah. to get the baby <laughs> to be where I need to. And then also I, uh, I know this is the mid packer pod, but at that race, I was the literal very back of the pack. I was the last nice. person through the last on course cutoff. And so I didn't have time to nurse. I was just a hot mess at that particular event, just because I had, you know, I had just had my first baby and I was like, couldn't, I was doing the bare minimum training to get to that start line. So, um, what I've liked about the backyard is then after I had my second kiddo, I just wasn't really up for that type of logistics. And I didn't think I was ever someone that would try the backyard ultra format, but a friend of mine signed up and convinced me to give it a try. And it ended up being really a really nice way for me to feel connected to the ultra racing community and be part of an event. But the logistics are so easy to manage for not only me, but my family. So uh, you start, you know, 4.1 something mile loop every hour on the hour. So your family knows exactly when they'll see you. <laughs> You're coming back to the same aid station every hour. And so it was really easy to time the couple times that I was planning to nurse my second baby when I did the backyard ultra the first time a couple years ago. Um, it's, it was super easy for my family to pop in and out. That race happens to start at 9 a.m., which is a really friendly start yeah. time because my family could just yes. go drop me off. Um, it's the, something that's really cool as a mid-packer is that you get to see the whole race field every hour. Yeah, and this times, particular yeah. course is an out and back. So you see everyone at the start line and then you also kind of see everyone as you're do at the uh, course turnaround. And that's just, that's a different experience for me. I, I am never seeing the full spectrum of athletes and I'm out there on a trail racing event. And I, I really like the community vibe. It feels very social. You can rotate who you're running with and chatting with and speed isn't necessarily the strategy in that type of event. Plenty of people are working a run walk strategy, not necessarily trying to bank a ton of time in the aid station. And so it just feels like it's a whole, it mixes up the whole approach. And for me, I just love the, I love coming back to the aid station, being back in the mix of the whole field and then heading back out together. It definitely, it definitely wears on you in a different way because you're doing the same loop every hour, totally. but it's for me, it's been such, not only has the format been friendly for me and what I feel like I was ready to take on as a, as a mom with two small kids, but it's also just really mixes up the experience as someone who's maybe used to running a little bit more by themselves at the midpoints of races and not knowing where anyone else is. You're like, Oh sweet. This race, I get to stay in touch with everybody. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a definitely, I mean, it's definitely a war of attrition, right? The backyard format. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, even if it's a loop or an out and back, like you said, there's kind of this resetting that happens. So like every hour you're seeing everybody again. Um, and if it's an out and back, like, lots of high fives and stokes shared on the trail for sure. I know I love, I kind of like, I like out and back races for that. Um, as long yeah. as the single track's not too narrow, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think that that's really cool. I've never done a backyard, but I'm intrigued with, um, it's a mind game and I'm intrigued by the whole, you know, what does it take to kind of decide you're going to keep, you know, just to, to do one, you know, one more lap. And I think, or one more yard. And I think, um, what's interesting is, it then once it gets down to the last two people, it's, it's really about you're working, you're kind of working together and you kind of need each other. 
um, in order to kind of keep pushing if you're trying to figure out, like you said, you know, previously, like where, what are the boundaries of what you can do? And then it, it kind of shifts. So it shifts the idea of like who's winning and who's losing at a race. Right. And it's like, it gets down to like, it's a last man standing format, but at the end of the day, like those two people, there's a decision that has to be made. And then you still have to kind of complete that last yard. So there's this whole like dichotomy that shifts with that mindset of that specific format. When you're looking at like the front of the field, uh, it's kind of more like, can you just do one, one more, one more lap? Like, can you just go one more hour, you know? And it just kind of like, you kind of, I, I imagine in your head, you get to a point where you're just asking yourself that question over and over and over again. Can I just do one more? Can I just do one more? Um, and it's an interesting way of like, how far can you actually push yourself without, um, with making it very easy to say that I'm done, you know, cause you're coming back to the end every, every hour you have a new opportunity to basically say, I refuse to go another, another yard, but the whole idea is like, can I go one more? You know, it's, there's a juxtaposition with the format that I, it definitely intrigues me. So. Yeah. And I think that's also exemplified by the, the second to last person is called the assist because they uh, push the last person you know, as far as the race could go. And absolutely. I, you, I've never done the backyard with this thought in my head that I could be the last person standing. I've kind of gone in with goals to do my best, hang in there the longest. But this time around, I was really intrigued when I'd ask people, oh, what's your goal out here? A few people just looked at me and they're like, my goal is to win. I was like, oh man, I that would be a really interesting you know, if I, when I come back to the race and I've had a chance to do bigger training, uh, cause I'll also say, you know, I participated in this one 15 weeks pregnant and it was a really, I've always, I, I've done a couple smaller races in previous pregnancies, but this race was so friendly. Cause I was like, I could literally drop at any second. The whole course is accessible by road. And I'm every lap I could make the decision. Oh, like, do I still feel good enough to head back out? And so it was also just a fun, a fun format to, to try to try a longer event uh, at this, you know, in the second trimester, and just feel like, okay, well, I can just, I, can, I have a lot of opportunities to make decisions out here. I'm not in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, it, it was a fun way to try that. No, that's a really cool, and it's, you know, I, I love that, um, you know, that you're going to kind of continue with um, your pregnancy and just see, you know, how much running can you do and how consistent can you stay with it. My wife ran all the way up until about it was like the six or seven month mark. And then it just kind of got to a point where, you know, it just something her body couldn't do. And so then it turned into a lot of walking, but, um, you know, and then there are people who I'm not sure how, how your previous pregnancies went. Like they literally run all the way up until delivery day. And like three weeks later, they're back running and you're just like, I have no idea how you can do something like that. So it's like, you know, all, you know, so, so there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of like possibilities when it, when it comes to that. And, you know, they do say that because you've been active, um, that you should stay as active as you possibly can, that there's no reason for you to cut back consider considerably what, you know, what your daily activity looks like just because, um, just because you're, you're pregnant and carrying a child. So. Definitely. And it can, I can, everyone's obviously every pregnant person's out there finding their own boundaries of what they feel comfortable doing. And, I think it can be challenging as a trail and ultra runner because there, there are definitely voices in my head of people who would be like, what are you doing out here on this trail by yourself? Or, and I, I've, I've developed my comfort zone 
And I've been fortunate to see some examples in the ultra running community of women who have navigated, uh, you know, some longer distances while pregnant, but there's certainly, I don't think there's many medical professionals who'd be like, yeah, head out there and run an ultra. And so at this, you know, in this, in this for you're kind of, you cautiously navigating your own boundaries and making some of, you know, the decisions for what feels good for you. And uh, that's been, that's certainly been a journey of its own on my previous two pregnancies. And this one included is, you know, what, what type of adventures feel good for me and what, what type of goals am I setting for myself while I'm, while I'm moving through pregnancy? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, you know, talking about it um, so openly with us on the pod. And I think it's something that, um, you know, can help shed light on um, allowing people, like you said, just to kind of, work within their own limitations, um, and then continue to, to do the thing, you know, some of the things that they really love to do. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned the backyard it's put on, is it's put on by the URA it's put on by the local running club at URA. Uh, it's not put on by it's, it's heavily participated in by the local running club. In fact, this year they gave us our own tent, which was so fun. So all of our stations were next to each other. Um, no, it's put on by two, Two local awesome runners, Ginny and Eric LaForm, okay. are the race directors. But the running club is heavily involved uh, in volunteering and supporting. Nice, and I'm, I know that you. I know that you're a big part of 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 that in the community. I mean, talk through what it's like to have. You know, obviously, Ure is not a large place. It's a pretty small town. You know, but talk about what it's like to have. Um, you know, such a tight knit community of of local runners there. Um, there in Ure. Oh yeah, so. Well, first, I'll give a quick shout out to the running community in Monterey, California, because that was the first place that I joined regular running clubs, running clubs that met regularly. Um, It was like a pub run that met every week. And the Wednesday Night Laundry Runners is an awesome club in Monterey for running. And that's where I first really realized to merge a hobby of running with this amazing social community. It, It definitely became the center of kind of my my life out and about in Monterey. And so when I moved to URA, it was obviously the first thing I looked for was a local running club. And what I will say is it is a small, but incredibly mighty run club. I don't think I've ever been part of a group of people who uh, have such a high proportion of people training for crazy hundred mile plus mountain adventures, which is part of what's planted the bug for me to want to go for a hundred for me, for me in almost every step of my running journey, it's taken seeing a friend that I run with or someone who I feel like I have some, uh, some level of fitness in common with seeing them do something and being like, Oh my gosh, maybe I can do that too. So needless to say, being in this community where there's, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, our running group any given week maybe has five to 15 runners and five or so dogs. <laughs> but, so it's More dogs, it, uh, more dogs than runners, huh? I think at one point, at one, one, one week we definitely did have more dogs than runners, but it's, Something cool about it is it's a different route every week. And so uh, usually the the main host of the run club picks the route, but I've been a guest host a few times and I love picking the route. Uh, it's also everyone makes it their social run of the week. And so even though a lot of the people, especially as summer hits, have crazy summer training schedules, pretty much everyone sets aside Thursday as the social run time and the whole group stays together for the whole run. So that's encouraging if anyone wants to you know, if you're passing through your ray on a Thursday and want to join us, it's a group that stays together the whole time. And yeah, I think for me, that's been a big confidence builder because this is my first time living in the mountains and uh, it took some time for me to develop confidence on longer distance, uh, living at sea level <laughs> out in the much friendlier trails of Monterey. Your ray trails are really challenging 
as those who've run Hard Rock or the Uray 100 are well aware. And so it's definitely been, you know, we've been here almost three years and it took some confidence building. The Run Club was a huge part of that. And I'm just really grateful because they have put so many different 100 mile races on my radar. I haven't picked, I don't know how many I'll do in my lifetime. So I haven't picked which one I'm going to go for yet. But uh, when the time comes, I know I'll have a lot of mentors out here. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's great to have a little community around, you know, around you, especially like you said, it's like you're new to the mountains, new to what it's like to move fast in the mountains too. And, and yeah. being able to kind of pick the brains of people who, who, who let's say are accomplished and have a lot of experiences is, is always crucial. And I think, um, it's just nice to have community, you know, it's nice to have people that, that, you know, you can ask questions to, and they're not gonna, uh, that you can come at it from, from a novice mindset and they're not going to look at you and judge you like, Oh man, that's a silly question. You know what I mean? They're going to look at you and say like, I completely understand where you're coming from. Cause at some point, I mean, unless they were born and raised in your which I imagine there are some of those m members there too. Like a lot of people have their first that they probably remember having that first experience. And so, um, yeah, that's really, that's really, really cool. Uh, I know that you and your husband, are you guys, are you guys volunteering at any local races? Are you doing any work with hard rock? Or are you guys just going to be uh, spectating out there this year? Uh, this year we'll just be spectating and supporting, but I am excited because I feel like my oldest, uh, who's four years old, I think he's just about at the point where he could, what, cause we've, what stopped me from volunteering the last couple of years is that, uh, I don't think my husband and I could juggle our kids and volunteer at sure. a race. Yeah. I was just thinking like my oldest is just about at the age where I think he would think it was really fun and cool and that he would be yeah. able to help <laughs> at yeah. an aid station. And hard rock is just so inspiring. Um, both hard rock and the year hundred kind of uh, coming out of a local park in downtown year And it's uh, both of those events are on my radar. I have a friend running year hundred this year, so I'm really excited to support her. Uh, but going down for hard rock is always a highlight of the year to cheer and spectate. And I'm really looking forward to that and hope, hoping to volunteer in the coming years. Nice. Yeah. My, so the last aid station at this last hundred I did, um, was being ran by this, by a family. Um, and they had a daughter, she was probably four or five and her job, she came running up to all the runners and got their numbers and she was the one collect, uh, collecting bib numbers for, um, for the check-in cause you had to check in and out. And, uh, it was kind of just like, kind of to your point, it gets to a, it gets to a, they get to a certain age where you can kind of gamify the situation for them enough for them to be like engaged and, and, and really enjoy it. And I've, I've definitely done some volunteering where, you know, we had some young kids and, and they all just, once you can kind of, once you can like give them a little bit of purpose that they feel mm -hmm. like they're a part of it, then all of a sudden they, they really just, for the most part, from what I've seen, they really like latch on and, and they really get, get really, really into it. So, yeah. That's yes. Cool. And obviously uh, we may, we may or may not be hoping that our kids <laughs> develop a love of trail running. A love of running. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. how that pans out. Yeah. Just get, you know, you guys live in a, in a great place for just exploring in general. So I imagine they'll, they're, you know, family time for, for you guys are going to, is going to be a, uh, enjoying the trails, whether it's, um, running, uh, or walking, uh, I imagine, you know, your kids will grow up with a, with a great appreciation for the outdoors. And that's, that's always awesome. Hopefully. Yeah. 
Yeah. So before we kind of wind down and, and we can, I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that, that you've been doing in, in the free trail community. Um, I love that. I'd love to discuss a little bit about, you know, just your advocacy and diversity um, for inclusion and running. I know it's a topic that we were discussing offline a little bit, and I'd love for you to kind of talk more on that. Absolutely. So I think I, I kind of said this in my previous answer, but something that was critical for me taking pretty much every single step I took forward in trail running was seeing someone either at a similar ability level to me or who had some similarities to my life, taking that step and being like, oh my gosh, maybe I can do that too. So I really do think inclusivity and diversity in trail running come from the chance to see others like ourselves giving these big audacious goals a try. And I, you know, I know we'll get into this more deeply, but I think that's one really interesting benefit of this free trail community that's been born is it's given me a chance to see such a wider, get to know such a wider swath of trail runners than I was getting to know just in my local community or at the individual events I was participating in. And, um, you know, there's also different sub communities within free trail that are really digging into different areas of inclusivity. One particularly active group is the free trail femmes that are really thinking about advocacy and representation of Uh, females in trail running. And I think just having a space to have those conversations and brainstorm together about what increases inclusivity uh, makes a big difference. And I've just found my circle of trail runners widening a lot ever since I've gotten tapped into that broader community. Yeah, that's the, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I mean, obviously, um, I got a lot of love for the free trail community. I think it's a, it's an amazing place to be. Um, and kind of talking to that, I think that's a good segue into something I want to discuss you. Um, you and one of our friends, uh, uh, Jessica hosted, um, Jessica Green, Greenspan hosted an office hours and just for the audience. So, you know, every week we do an office hours on, um, on free trail and, um, in the past, it was something that, that Dylan led Dylan, Dylan Bowman led himself. And then, you know, I would, when Dylan needed kind of a little bit of a, um, a reprieve because of scheduling conflicts, like I would come in and, and help host topics. And, and recently it's really turned into something that's become very community driven, which I think is amazing. Um, but something that, that you and Jessica put together, which I thought was awesome and I really enjoyed it. I think we were calling it trail mix. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, t- you know, talk to this. It was basically, so just to give context for the, for the, um, for the listener, you know, every Wednesday at 1130, uh, we jump on a zoom call and there's anywhere between like 15 and 35 people that join the call. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes we talk about like, what's your summer schedule look like? Sometimes we talk about how do you dissect a training plan or, or how do you do workouts a specific way? Um, a lot of times we've had guests on like nutritionalists and PTs and, and it gives us the opportunity as a community to kind of ask as, and as an individual, um, to ask questions for these, to these specific, uh, to these specific points and to these, uh, professionals that we bring on. But then, you know, I think what, what you and Jessica put together was a great way for us all to get to know each other a little bit more. And like, like that's kind of how uh, trail mix what kind of, kind of came, came to be. Um, and so go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about, uh, about what we did that day for an hour. It was awesome. Oh yeah. So something that I had reached out to Jessica about was like, Oh, you know, I, something I really like about the office hours is it's always a big group discussion and there's usually a lot of great space for questions and, I was also thinking that's not a format that everyone feels super comfortable diving in on. And so how can we also use formats that 
uh, might build more one-on-one or small group connection for folks, especially people who might be newer to the community and sometimes jumping on a, uh, a bigger office hours call can feel intimidating. And so what we did was we prepared a list of just general get to know you questions, some focused on running, some focused on <laughs> anything outside of running. And we used the breakout room feature to mix folks up into groups of three or four. And we rotated those groups with different sets of questions. And the goal was really to help people. You know, I think that's the overall goal of free trails, creating a space where people can build connections in the trail running community. And so we just wanted to almost create like a, a mini mingling environment where people could build those connections a little more rapidly and a little more in real time. And I think it's something that would be really fun to reprise for as, as new members continue to join. Uh, I think it'd be a fun format to use for groups of uh, people who've recently introduced themselves to the group. But it's, uh, I think it's just part of that uh, experimenting with different ways that the group, different ways that the free trail community can connect with one another and uh, build those relationships that then really become something fun when it's like uh, an example I have is that when my husband was in Black Canyon 100k a few months ago, I was tuned into the live stream and suddenly recognized so many names in the live stream because there's a bunch of people from Free Trail yep. who obviously love trail running who were tuned in and typing in the in the chat. And I was thinking, I cannot tell you how many times I have followed one of my husband's races sitting alone in my house, refreshing a tracking app for hours, being like, did he get to the next aid station? How's he doing out there? And so first of all, Arvipa does incredible coverage for the Black Canyon 100K. Yes, they do. But then just getting to share it with people that I had started to connect with in the free trail community, I just went from from an experience that usually feels pretty isolated for me, which is following along on a race from afar, felt so rich with community and fun. And I didn't feel like I was by myself. I felt like I was tapped into this really fun space, which is great because also usually I'm following along with some nerves <laughs> as he's in a race. Totally. So it was just, it really came together for me how cool it is to be, to be able to form these connections outside of your local running club, outside of the people you might follow on Strava. It's just like the broader, it's, it's, there aren't many ways you can get tapped into this broader trail running community. And it's been really neat to discover this space and then have a bunch of people to root for in their races and yep. discover a whole bunch of new races that I'd never heard of or trails is because people post all about their adventures that they're doing. So it's just been uh, a way to, I mean, for those of us that love trail running to just amp up that love, but also expand the the circle of people we can be connected with around in the sport. Yeah, 100%. And just to go back to trail mix, I just think um, obviously the name is amazing because who doesn't <laughs> like trail mix? Uh, hello. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just, just breaking down those smaller groups and, and building more, you know, one-on-one rapport and getting to know um, some of those individuals was, was amazing. And I agree with you. It's something I want to, I want to bring up as far as like, re, you know, reprising that. And maybe it's something that maybe it happens on a bi-monthly or a, or a quarterly basis, maybe bi-monthly. I think monthly may be a bit much for, for, for you and, and Jessica to have to make up new questions for everybody. Um, you know, every, every, every single, uh, you know, once every four weeks or whatever, but, um, but I would definitely well, would love to do it again. She, she so. came up with a lot of good ones. So yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to be, rec- I'm going to be recording with her, um, next week. So, um, I'm interested to talk with her, um, kind of about it as well and, 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 and see how she thinks, how, how she feels about it. So, um, oh, continu- awesome. yeah, continuing on the, uh, 
on um, the topic of free trail. I mean, I know you mentioned the free trail fems and I had um, Corinne Chalvoy on and I know she hosts the office hours uh, that you guys do um, for, for the free trail fem, fems community. Um, you know, that just feels like a really amazing group. It's super inclusive. I mean, obviously you, you don't necessarily have to, you, you, you don't have to just identify as a female to be a part of the group. I imagine, um, I don't know if you have a lot of males that join in, but, uh, you know, I think it's great that, that something we've been able to do as part of a community is open up, um, and create, uh, I hate saying safe places, but like safe places for, for specific parts of the community to get together and empower each other. And, um, you know, I think that, that community in particular does a really good job of, of that. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of, I think it's just, it's, it's the, I feel like those groups aren't necessarily so much about limiting who can be a part of it with the name, but it's, it's, it's focusing. What is, what is the conversation kind of focused on in this space? And there's been a lot of, well, across the entire, I feel like across the entire free trail space, I just get exposed to a lot of different perspectives and thoughts whether it's something that feels female specific to running, like what's the race coverage going to look like at this com- upcoming event, or whether it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I wasn't necessarily tapped into all the different podcasts or article sources. And that's something that I've really enjoyed is just broadening the, the different ways I can listen to what's going on in the community. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of content that gets shared there and things that you would never know about. Um, you know, I, I asked this question to, to all the fruit trail members, but what's, uh, what's your favorite, um, what's, what's your favorite, uh, Slack channel on fruit trail pro? Um, I really like the, well, for, okay. I have two. I really like the racing channel because I feel like that's where people kind of shout out their accomplishments yep. or shout out someone else's accomplishments. And again, as I've said multiple times, seeing someone else do something is often what gets me curious, like, Oh, maybe I want to give that a try. So that's been fun, but I really like the adventures channel. It's uh, where people are posting about exciting trails they've been on or beautiful places they've seen. And that I feel like it's a, it's like a Pinterest board of places I want to go and trails I want to explore. So, uh, and, and that's something that's been neat is yeah, I recently went to Ireland with uh, my parents and my sisters and I connected with a free trail member before I went and I was like, Hey, what kind of trails would you recommend around the Dublin area? And you know, that's something I didn't have access to before this community was created. It's there's tons of chatter in there about people who are traveling to different areas and want to get a little uh, inside scoop on the trail and trails and what people would recommend exploring. And that part's really fun is to have that type of network. Yeah, no, for sure. And I've done the same thing for individuals. Um, I, I don't live in Sonoma County anymore, but I've done that for individuals that are visiting wine country and telling them like, Hey, you know, you got to go check out this park or you got to go check out this trail or, you know, they're kind of like, Oh, I've got this one day. What can I do in this one day? And and it's like really cool when you can list off, like not just trail running stuff, but like, here's a trail you should run. Here's the restaurant you should be going to afterwards. Here's here, you know, here's, here's, yeah. you know, all these things that you can do and here's the stuff you can do with your family too. And I think it's, you know, like you said, it just kind of opens up the world a little bit and, and it really shows how obviously the community is super awesome and welcoming and, and it's tight knit, you know, but it's also like extremely open and, and like I said, welcoming, but also like, it just shows how small the world really is, you know, and the village that we live in is, is this, it's the trail running village is it's everywhere. And it's, it's right where, you know, with free trail, it's right where, right where you, you know, it's at a, you know, it's kind of available at the touch of a button. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, um, I know you ran the ordinance hundred K and I believe you used one of the, the free trail training plans. How, how do you feel like that training went, um, comparatively? Have you always, have you been coached in the past or have you always kind of just kind of winged it? I've been a winger. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I've been a winger too. So <laughs> yeah, this was actually the first time I've used a detailed training plan for an event. And something I really liked was that the hundred K training plan that I used was based on hours yep. rather than distance. And that's the first time I've used a time-based plan rather than a distance-based plan. And that definitely got me out of my head. It just, it shook up the way I was kind of charting out routes and running it was helpful for me. And then I, I'm the type that won't, I will not do a structured running workout unless someone tells me exactly what to do. And so it was also helpful to just have different, yeah. you know, the training plans really just based on different levels of intensity that you're running at or different zones you're running in. And I was just like, great. Okay. So someone's just telling me this, this is what I got to go out and do today. And I, I did not adhere to it. 100%. I'm someone that's a little bit of a rebel anyway with a training regimen. But for them, it was really the backbone of what guided me, especially the way I approached the longer days and the weekends. And I layered on a bike trainer plan because I also really like the bike trainer. I have to say, I felt pretty unstoppable on race day nice. uh, after using the 100K plan. So that was, that was, I, maybe it's a plug. Maybe I would have to start following plans from here on out. <laughs> I had a similar experience. I would just kind of figure out what my training wanted, what I wanted my training to be. And mostly it was like, Oh, I want this kind of volume and this kind of vert. Right. And that's it. So it's like yeah. everything, there's no structure as far as when the workouts come in. And I, I definitely remember when I used, um, one of the plans for the first time and it, I mean, it, it got me in really good shape. I won't lie. That's like uh, have, adding a little structure to your running, especially if you never had structure in your running, like the gains that you see are just pretty impactful. Um, obviously, you know, as you get consistent with that structure, the gains become, you know, you're still, you're still making them, but they become kind of smaller and smaller as, as you kind of get consistent with it. But yeah, when you go from like, yeah, I just like to run to like, I'm doing two runs two two workouts a week. You're like, man, I'm, I'm fat. I got fast. I mean, I'm not fast, but I just got fast, you know? So, um, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love that. That hundred K plan is great. Um, I'm a big fan of the, the four by 10 minute tempo uphill, uphill tempo workouts. My, that's my, that would be my favorite. If, if I had to pick one, I would, if I could do just those, I would, I, if I could do just one workout, that would be the one workout a week I would do is, is four, four by 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, well, I will, I'll also add that since it was time-based for the most part, I, one of the ways that I do adjust my training to balance some of the family stuff or work is that I, during the peak training times, I would break down some days into two or three a days. And so the time base just helped me do that without yep. being overly worked up about different distances or what routes I piece together. I was just like, okay, I'm just trying to fit like four hours into this day. I'm sure I can figure that out. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I've never actually, I should I should think like that. That's a good way to think about it. You know, I'm always like, I'm, I'm, I am, I, if it's on the plan, like this last block, I was using the hundred mile plan. I missed like one workout. And that's because I forgot that I was supposed to do that workout on the day. Like I didn't check the plan and I was like, Oh yeah, it's going to be this. And then I looked and I was like, Oh, I was actually supposed to do these steady state uh, intervals, but I still went out and did the time for the run. 
And so I'm definitely one of those, those people that are kind of like, if it's on the plan, I'm doing it, you know, like kind of, yeah, I'm a little yes. type, I guess I'm a little more type A than, 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 than most. I think it's, 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 it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. So, um, well, Melissa, this has been an amazing conversation. Is there anything else, um, you know, you wanted to touch on before, um, before we wrap up? No, I just really, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your stories from the mid pack and I'm excited that this new, uh, podcast has been created. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I'm excited too. I'm excited to unpack, um, you know, and share some of the members of the free trail community like yourself. And then also, um, other individuals that are, you know, just there, it's all about, you know, I want to say normal people. Cause there's nothing normal about, about any of us, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter if you run ultras or you don't, everyone's like a unique little snowflake, but at the same time, it's about, you know, sharing stories of, of people that are doing exceptional things and they're doing exceptional things, um, while they're, having to balance a whole lot. And I think that's something that, um, is undertold in the space as far as, um, you know, kind of telling the story of, you know, whether, whether, whether you're at the tip of the spear, um, or you're finishing, you know, DFL at the race, like there's a lot that goes into the individual and what it takes to kind of get there. Um, so I'm excited to kind of, you know, tell some of those stories and, and, and hopefully people can relate to it. And like you said, I think you said it multiple times in this podcast, and I think it's, it, it rings very, very true. Once you see something done and you see someone that you, you know, I can relate to that person and they just did something really hard. I bet I can do that too. And it really kind of opens those doors and breaks and like, it doesn't break down all the barriers, but it kind of plants a little seed in your head. And it says like, Oh man, if I just water this, um, I, I bet I can grow something pretty, uh, pretty spectacular out of, you know, a little bit, a a little bit, a lot of effort, right? If I put a lot of effort into this, I think I could do it. So. Absolutely. When, if you had told little Melissa that one day she would run a hundred K or do an Ironman, I don't, I don't even know when I would have started believing that it, you, even, even through the end of college, I was never would have identified myself as an athlete or someone who would engage this type of hobby. So it, it is, it's, it's seeing other people pick it up and being like, maybe I, maybe I would like that. Maybe I should give it a try. And yeah, it's, it's finding those spaces that you uh, can draw some motivation from. And uh, I definitely draw a lot of that motivation from <laughs> the middle of the pack and the back of the pack. And also I get stoked by the front of the pack, even though I know yeah. uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be up there. <laughs> yeah. You and me, you and me both. I like get a lot of inspiration from the front of the pack, but that's definitely not where I belong. That's for sure. Um, so a couple of really quick questions, Melissa, before I let you go. And you answered the first one. I've been asking this a lot. It's like ultra marathon man or born to run. And I believe I can answer that question for you, for you and your husband, it's born to run. Um, that's you me know, too. And that's been right now. That's been, you know, that's the number one answer. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, and then, um, you know, what's your favorite distance to race, uh, these days? Oh, uh, probably the 50 mile. It's, it feels like a sweet spot, but hope I hope in a few years I'm starting the hundred mile, but right now 50 mile feels like long accomplished booyah, but I didn't break myself. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I love the 50 miler. And because the 100K, I think the 50 miler just doesn't get the same kind of love it used to get. Um, mm-hmm. But I do love the distance. And as someone who's run a couple of really hard 100 milers, yeah, I like the 50 mile distance. <laughs> so, so you're saying um, I might not uh, switch that answer? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you, 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 I may switch that answer myself. I just still haven't quite cracked that, that code yet. So it's going to take a little bit. Um, and then the last question, 
Um, what's your favorite thing to eat after you get done, um, with, with a really, uh, with a, with a hard race or, or a hard day of, of, uh, of training? Oh my, this should be an easier answer for me. It's, uh, almost always something salty and probably like what would really excite me is if I got home to like a big spread of like a taco buffet. I think that would always be a winner for me. Nice. Yeah. Taco, taco Tuesday is it yeah. for the win. Taco Tuesday every day for the win, right? Taco Tuesday. Yep. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for, for being a part of the pod. Um, do you do social? Is there any other place besides free trail that people can connect with you? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. But, but come connect with me in free trail. <laughs> yep. More power to you. I wish I had that same answer to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, Melissa, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I'll let you get back to, uh, to, to the two little ones and, and the one, the one, the one big little one. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Troy. Thanks for tuning in. What'd you think of the show? Follow us on IG at the Midpacker pod and leave us a comment on our post for this show or drop me a DM. If you appreciate this content, please think about giving us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening on. It really does help out. And if you are interested in supporting any of our sponsors, you can find links and codes in the show notes. See you next time, friends, on the Midpacker Podcast. Podcast.